What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back, everybody, to Meet Us at Molly's episode 76, one of the very few final ones I'm trying to think before we get new episodes. Yeah. Summer is winding down, it's crazy. We're officially three weeks out from the new seasons. Yeah, because we are recording this on Wednesday, September 5th. So, yeah, we are officially today three weeks away. It's crazy. So crazy. It's crazy. But, yeah, so tonight we are taking it back down memory lane one last time this summer. And we are discussing Chicago Med episode season two, episode 20, titled Generation Gap. This was one of the ones that was suggested to us on Twitter by Hallie. And this was one we had actually been thinking about. We had put it out there that we had wanted you guys to suggest this week's episode. But this is one of the ones that we had thought about doing just in preparation for the big crossover. Because as if you guys listened to our previous episodes from the summer, you guys know that there is rumors, news that Papa Halstead is going to be a part of the big crossover. So we figured this was just great prep, doing our homework before the big crossover in a couple weeks. And kind of warming up our feels, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. But we do have a little bit of news to discuss before we get into the episode. So the first piece of news we got, there was floating around on Twitter and Facebook, there was a possible episode description for Chicago PD 601 and I say possible just because I know for the fact based on the font of the screen cap and what was floating around that it wasn't from the official NBC media page so I'm not sure if it's a real episode description but I feel like we should talk about it anyway um because it's interesting and I would be interested in this episode if it was the episode that we got um, so let me pull it up real quick. Okay. So we've got, it says, it's called, the episode we know is titled New Normal. And it says, Antonio takes charge when a bad heroin, when bad heroin causes overdoses in Chicago, while intelligence is a man down, but Ruzik undermines his authority. So it pretty much goes in line with everything we thought. I mean, you know, Voight currently wouldn't, be in charge of intelligence because he is under investigation for everything that happened at the end of season five. We know that Antonia and Ruzik are butting heads over everything. Um, Ruzik kind of falls more on the Voight side while Antonio is all riding this justice train, no pun intended. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's true. He's riding on the side of justice, just not Chicago justice anymore because riding the justice yeah. train. I love that so much. <laughs> it's not. I'm not wrong. He is on the side of justice, but just not the television show. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Gina, what are your thoughts on this possible episode description? 
Uh, I think you were right a couple weeks ago when we saw the thing that was like Ruzik and Upton were going to butt heads and you were like, don't they mean Antonio? I think you're right that they probably just meant Antonio. Uh, You know, I I think I had to let it soak in a little bit. And I was like, Ruzik's going to undermine Antonio's authority. Damn. Because, yeah, Ruzik's going to butt heads with Antonio. He always has and he always will. But he's still a team player. So I had to let that like soak in for a second and be like, oh, man. But Ruzik's also a hothead. So, I mean, it's the Ruzik-Antonio dynamic is one that I'm really looking forward to in season six. I'm so excited. But I think in terms of Ruzik undermining the authority, I mean, granted, it's not, I don't know. But we saw a little bit of it, you know, when he was being a rat for Woods, like all throughout season five. Like, He's he's willing to not be a team player if it's for what he thinks is right. He's still reverted to his team player ways, though, with with Woods, because Woods wanted him to go one way, and before he could even do it, he was like, no, screw you. Like, I'm protecting intelligence. Right, but for a couple, I mean, for like a couple episodes, though, there was definitely the, I'm protecting my family, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I think is right, and... Not that necessarily that it's undermining the authority, but it is to a certain extent. So it's not something that we've never seen from him before. Um, But yeah, I'm so I'm I think I'm honestly most excited about the Antonio Rusic dynamic. I really hope they actually do stress it this season. Because there is I feel like there's a lot of good material there that they could explore because, you know, both of them are so committed to their viewpoints that it's going to be interesting to see them go toe-to-toe. Yeah, and well, it's interesting because I feel like with Voight out of the picture now, I mean, Antonio, I mean, Voight temporarily out of the picture. We don't, I don't think Voight's out of the picture forever. But mm-hmm. Antonio then is now the most senior person in that unit, which is crazy to think about. And then Ruzik, I mean, Ruzik's up there in terms of people in intelligence. It'd be Antonio J. Ruzik. If we're talking about seniority? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Because, I mean, Atwater came in after him. So did Burgess and so did Upton. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that, like, we're going to have two of the top seniority level people, like, butting heads. But I think it's going to make for some great television. Yes. I'm really excited. There was some more stuff that we'll talk about in the TV line thing that has me really, yeah. yeah. yeah PD stuff that I was so like, oh. Speaking of, yeah, speaking, I mean, so we also got TV lines been doing a lot of like fall television preview stuff. And so they did, it wasn't an article, but it was like a gallery of photos. Um, and then like it was like 34 something like spoilers and things for new show or for new and returning shows um so they did they talked about fire and pd i don't know why they didn't talk about med i guess they didn't have anything to talk about med with but there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to unpack so gina if you want to start by taking us through some of the fire stuff that'd be great yeah so it was a pretty long narrative that tv line posted today about chicago fire and chicago pd really the chicago fire stuff you know it was a big long paragraph but i'll just kind of run down some of the bullet points. So 
some of the pertinent points here. You know, Stella is also feeling the loss of Gabby because we know that, you know, Casey's feeling it. We know Brett's feeling it. Stella's also feeling it, which makes all of the sense in the world because they had a really great friendship. So, yeah, that makes complete sense that she would be feeling the loss, too. And I'm glad they're going to touch on it because so often we see these storylines where, you know, there's a character who, you know, should be affected by X, Y, Z, who they don't touch on. So I'm glad they're going to kind of make sure that all the bases are covered. We also got a bit that, you know, Brett is not very quick to embrace her new partner, Emily, which I think we had heard in a scoop before that, you know, I think Derek had dropped a hint that Brett had kind of been rotating through partners all summer. So I get that. I also, I mean, I feel for Brett in this whole situation because she left on such a bad note with Gabby. Yeah, she did. And I mean, I think, you know, she's always had a history of pretty stable partnerships. I mean, granted, she's gone back and forth a lot, but it's always been essentially between the three same people. It was Mills, it was Chili, and it was Gabby. Like, all at different times, you know, she'd go back and forth between them, but, like, the three of them pretty much have consistently been her partners. Mm -hmm. And so now that she's not going to have any of I mean, none of them are possibilities, you know, it makes sense. Like, it takes time to get adjusted to a new partner, and especially when you're feeling guilty over how you ended things with the other one. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would hope she's not feeling too guilty because Dawson was kind of a dick to her at the end. But... Oh, no, I agree. But at the same time, when someone leaves, even if it's not really your fault, I mean, even if you were fighting, but it's not really your fault, you still are going to feel guilty about it. Right. Absolutely. So Firehouse 51 is also under the eye of good old Commissioner Grissom. Is that what his title is now? Commissioner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is looking for, and I quote, any mistake. Good old Grissom just can't leave well enough alone. This is going to be like almost, it seems like a repeat of season two with McLeod, where literally it was like, she had the rat inside 51 and literally any little thing that they did that wasn't a, that wasn't with the code. It was like, well, you're that's wrong. Like we're dinging you again. We're dinging you for this and this and this and all this. Like, it seems like that almost all over again. Do you think Grissom would be able to make somebody into a rat out of the people at F- F- 51 right now? I don't think he's making some... I think that's what um, Stephen Boyer's character is going to be. Because we saw him in that preview, like, kind of sneaking around and looking through files and things. Oh, like, yeah. I think he's... I think Grissom's going to use him kind of to have him, like, show up all the time. I don't think he's going to turn someone into a rat, mm-hmm. but just the fact that they're going to have someone around a lot and, like, that 51 has to be on their best behavior because if they do one wrong thing, it's going to be like, well, putting that in your record. Yeah, but Boyer's character is a higher-up, right? He's not going to be a new firefighter at 51? No, he's a desk writer. I think he's technically deputy commissioner, maybe. But, yeah, he's like a desk person. Hmm. Hmm. So the Stellarides, thankfully, are still going strong. I'm going to find some wood in this apartment and knock on it now. I know. There we go. I knock on on it. We're good. We're good. They're still going strong. Thankfully, because Severi just needs to be protected at all costs. Yep. Which we've established in past episodes. Yep. So, yeah. Um, 
Cruz gets a new love interest. Hallelujah. Well, okay, wait, hallelujah, maybe, because in Derek's most recent Q&A, he mentioned that Brett's getting a new love interest, too, or might be getting a new love interest. Okay, but, like, I doubt that means the same. I just don't want Cruz and Brett together. No. I'm all for rooting for Cruz's happiness, and I'm all for rooting for Brett's happiness. I want her to be with Antonio, but that's a whole different thing. But, like, God. I feel like Brett and Cruz are those friends who you just need to sit down and be like, I want you to be happy. I want what's best for you. And what is best for you is to not be with him or her. Like, Joe, I want what is best for you. But what is best for you is to give Sylvie her space. Exactly. Friends with benefits does not work for them. It does not, not they work. Ever really were, but it doesn't, it would never work for them. No. no, it really wouldn't. Sylvie, I feel like, would be down for that type of relationship with Antonio, I don't feel like she would be with Cruz. Agree. 100%. Just the 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 thing with the Q&A and Brett getting a new love interest, I feel like that's a rant for another time. I just, yep. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm not, not this. That's anything. not for this. Yeah. No. I want to, though. I want to. But yeah. That's um, for next week. We'll save that for next week. Okay, we will, we will. Um, elsewhere, Herman is facing big changes in his life. What? I don't know what that means. Um, the writers had better not touch that perfect Herman marriage. I don't even want to think about that, Gina. No. No, we are not getting rid of Cindy. Never. I love Cindy Herman. I know. Cindy Herman is goals. You could give but, Cindy yeah. Herman her own spinoff, and I'd be right there. I would watch a spinoff on the Herman family. They could call it Cindy Fire. No, just like the Herman family in general. Like, right. I would watch that spinoff. Like a Herman family sitcom. Yes. I'd watch that. Those kids, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those kids would be the stars of the show. It'd be like a Fuller House version with the Herman family. But it's got to be part of the one Chicago franchise. Like, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Herman family. I don't know. But. No. Okay. But, ma- okay. This is so off topic. But Mouch would play the uncle, no, the Joey role. <laughs> <laughs> would Severide be the Uncle Jesse? Uh, that's not totally crazy because Jess, Uncle Jesse does settle down later in life and get married. And so that could be Stella. So it's not totally out of the question. Does that make Stella B- Aunt Becky? Yes. Hmm. It it's hurts. not. To- Stella moved in with Herman Technically, it's not totally out of the question. <laughs> so Danny in this situation would, of course, be Herman. Yeah. Hmm. We need to readjust the premise a little bit so that Cindy can still be a part of it. But the idea is still there. Herman House. None of this is working. I should really just <laughs> stop trying to come up with hilarious titles. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, as soon as I made the Fuller House comparison of this supposed spinoff that we're creating i was like oh my god mouch is joey is like the best thing i've ever thought about you think mouch does ventriloquism like joey did so yeah that seems like something something mouch and platt would do on like a saturday afternoon when they're like bored with nothing to do yes 100 percent. what was his character the the ventriloquist character something beaver right wasn't it a beaver mr woodchuck mr woodchuck yes oh man maybe he gets a guinea pig Puppet instead, and it's Mr. Sprinkles. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I've got to quit drinking when we do the podcast, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we'll just we'll we'll we'll, pi- we'll pitch that crossover for a uh, season eight. You know, yeah. down the line. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So we also got the scoop about the crossover. More scoop on the crossover. The crossover, and I quote, focuses on the biggest, nastiest fire we've ever done. This is what Derek says. The incident centers around a residence tower fire above the 20th floor of a skyscraper downtown, with all three shows coming together to save as many residents as possible, and ultimately to hunt down the person or persons responsible for the tragedy. Now, we got an email from Allison, and she actually told us what building in Chicago this is. I want to say it's the Carbide and Carbon building. It's really historic. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a very historic building in Chicago that she said you would basically never want to burn down. Which, like, you would never want to burn down any building in Chicago, but, you know. Let me see if I can find what she said. Here we go. Oh, oh, another interesting tidbit she said. So she said, uh, it's the Carbide and Carbon building, which was the Hard Rock Hotel for a while, and now she thinks it's the St. James. But the funny part of this is that the movie Wanted filmed the, filmed the scene there years ago. You know who wrote Wanted? Yes. Derek wrote Wanted. I know. Funny how that works. But yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a really historic building is the gist of it. And it's a residential building. So what is Papa Halstead doing there? I don't know. I know. Did he move into like a swanky apartment and out of Canaryville? <laughs> <laughs> funny i don't know i don't maybe i mean i doubt it but maybe and i guess i still need to figure out how this cross because like obviously it's starting with fire and then it's going to med and then it's going to pd so yep. the building's gonna burn for the first hour <laughs> and then we're gonna save people in the second hour and then really it's like in the third hour that we find the people who did this yes that's how it's going to go. Yeah, so I guess it's less of a cohesive crossover like last year was with Platt, and it's more of the formulaic ones we've seen over the years where it's like, that's on fire. Now people are going to the hospital. Now there's a criminal at hand. Let's see who did it. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. I mean, I'm scared, but I'm excited. Same. Yeah, it's like Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell. You're like, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so, so scared. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's the fire scoop. We also got a PD scoop. Brenda, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, like you said, lots of things to talk about. So, as we were talking about from this possible episode description, um, intelligence is in a less cohesive place in the beginning of the season. Um, The incident from the end of season five with Voight killing... um, Al's killer, creates a lot of conflict in intelligence, particularly between Ruzik and Antonio. Don't forget that deleted scene, too, which kind of laid the foundation for the conflict. I know, but it's not canon. I consider it canon. Do you not consider deleted scenes canon? I do, but I'm saying technically it is not. I consider it canon. I know, I 100% agree, and I still don't know why that scene was cut, but that's a different that's a different rant. Right? Um, something that I thought was interesting. 
So Atwater is going to be a little more politically motivated and politically active than he's been in the past. Yes, please. Yes, give Atwater all of the things, all of the storylines. That sounds like it could be really good. No, but I'm trying to determine because you know how you know how it says about Burgess that she's trying to navigate the political scene too. So, how do we mean politically motivated? Like, is he involved? My my vision for this again this is just like based on the words that I'm reading is that Atwaters would be a little bit more politically motivated and active in the community mm-hmm. like maybe not a la Alderman Casey but like in that vein of things whereas it says Burgess is trying to navigate the political scene within CPD so hers is more of like a like playing the game kind of thing so that she could get what she wants which as it says is to hopefully become a detective. So mm-hmm. she's playing the game within like the police department, whereas like Atwaters is actually what you would probably think of when you think of politics. I think that could be really badass with Atwater. Yeah, and I mean, just especially obviously as like a black cop and the fact that, you know, just everything that goes on in the world of, you know, Black Lives Matter and just like all of that. I mean, it, yeah. And after all the so shit good. he went through last season with his brother and sister and having to navigate that. And yeah, that sounds like it could be really Well, even good. just all this stuff. I mean, I'm still, you know, I still picture that scene, you know, all the stuff that he went through with Ruzik when he and Ruzik had that whole thing about, like, the Ruzik almost being racist, even though he was never intending to be racist. But that whole right thing outside the apartment, that conversation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Atwater got a lot of it last year. That could that sounds like it could be really really good. Yeah, and then as we were talking about, I mean, like it said, so Burgess is apparently trying to navigate the political scene within CPD because she's hoping to become a detective, which is interesting because I thought Atwater was next up to be detective, but I guess not. Right? Like, how does that work? Because Voight said that he put like Ruzik should have been next to one, but then he put Atwater ahead of him, and then. But now Burgess I don't know, is it based on seniority in the job? Or is it based on seniority in the current unit? I have no idea. That's a bit of Chicago Fire Trivia, or Chicago PD trivia that I have yet to figure out. Yeah. Because I also think about, like, when I think about things, even though it was, like, a teasing line, but the whole Linstead line where Jay's, like, I've been on the job longer, and Aaron's, like, I've been in this unit longer. So, like, I don't know. Which is it? Is it you become a detective the longer you've been on the job or the longer you've been in the unit that your commanding officer puts you, like, up for the job at? I don't know. I feel like I researched this once when I, like, couldn't sleep or something. I feel like I went looking for this information once and it was like you have to have like X amount of hours of experience on the job. So it would make sense if it was seniority based on the job period and not in intelligence, but I could be totally wrong. I'm totally Googling this right now. I'm probably wrong. How do you, oh, how do you in the police? <laughs> how do you become a detective in Chicago? <laughs> Um, I feel like this is just kind of need a little more research because everything that I'm seeing is like, graduate from high school, get a degree in criminal justice, like, blah, blah, blah. 
and get oh for prospective police detectives enroll in a police account I, I feel like this needs a little more thing but we will return to this because <laughs> i will research curious. this and get back yes i'm super curious <laughs> um yes. but anyway going off of the whole political stuff pd is going to delve into a into the mayoral election a bit and see how the political machine in chicago works and how that affects the police department i'm here for this i'm here for this especially because isn't that i mean i'm Sorry, fellow Chicago. I mean Chicagoans. I'm not sure what's going on, but isn't the mayor election happening? Ooh, is it? I think so. I gotta pay better attention to like world events in general. I mean, I think it is. I'm googling. I could have sworn I saw a I list know, I'm of googling nominees. This now too. <laughs> 2018. Let's see. Yeah. Rahm Emanuel yeah. is not rerunning for. Oh, He's so they're more... being. The election's being held February 26, 2019. Way to be timely, Chicago PD writers. Very nice. Also, please come on our I, podcast. I... We don't bite. <laughs> yeah, but so the fact. I wonder. I mean, obviously, I doubt it's obviously not going to be realistic with like real names of people and you know the same candidates and stuff but the fact that it's timely that's pretty cool yeah that is pretty cool so and then the last thing that we got about pd was again another last name that i do not know how to pronounce and i'm gonna i'm not gonna even butcher it and heish it's heish 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 um, her character is committed to getting her boss elected as mayor. So she's going to play a part in this storyline so she can move up the ranks. Um, she'll have a pretty interesting relationship with Voight and others in intelligence. Which could mean like a million things. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot more information about the season than we had yesterday. Yeah, it really is. I also wish I knew why TV Line just kind of forgot about Med. Well, it could be just they hadn't, like, scheduled an interview with their writers or producers or whatever, and so it just didn't happen for this round. I don't know if I would say they forgot about Med. But they also could have just forgotten about Med. So, (laughs) I don't know. But I like to give TV Line the benefit of the doubt because they're usually pretty good with their stuff. They are indeed. Correct. Correct. But, yeah, that's our news. Yeah. Crazy. Like you said, three weeks away, man. I'm so ready. I am so ready. I don't know. These three weeks are going to fly by. Yes. Um, but yeah. So without further ado, should we hop into the episode? Let's do it. Okay. So as always with Med, because so much is happening, we've broken this down by storyline and we're going to start with Papa Halstead because, let's be real, that's the real reason we're doing this episode tonight. Um, it's so, true. the first thing is, so Will is at the hospital getting ready to, you know, start his day at work. And he gets a call from Jay about their father. And Connor is, is in the attendings lounge. And Connor is also in there and overhears Will's conversation. And... Connor's like, is everything okay? And Will's like, no, like, like my dad's in bad shape. Jay's, you know, from what Jay says, like, it sounds bad. He's like, I need to go. And I'm going to take the L train there. 
And Connor's like, well, like, you should just take my car. Like, it's so much faster. You don't have to deal with that shit. And, but Will instead says to Connor, like, you should just come along too. Like, I'd really appreciate it. And Connor agrees. And so then we, they show up at, this isn't Will and Jay's childhood home, is it? I think it is. Oh, well, yeah, it has to be because they're talking about the neighbor that poured boiling water on kids. What the fuck is that? Like, yeah, I don't know. Will says it so casually, too. He's like, oh, yeah, this neighbor used to pour boiling water on us. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, one time it got on Jay's foot. And I'm like, okay, that's sure. Big deal. Yeah. Anyway, so they pulled up to this house where Jay and Will at least lived at some point in their lives. Could have been teenagers, could have lived there their whole lives. Not really sure. But anyway, there's like this 30-second moment where Connor's like looking around and Will's like pretty different from Gold Coast, huh? And Connor's just like, yeah, yeah. Feeling like a little embarrassed, but. Um, so we go into the house and Jay and Papa Halstead are living in the living room watching baseball of course and again we'll talk about more papa halstead stuff in a second but like we've said this before it kind of goes against everything we've learned on pd not kind of it goes against everything we've learned on pd yeah yeah what was that episode in i don't even never mind i don't even remember the season but it's the one that we referenced a couple weeks ago where, you know, Will helps Voight CI, and it's the one with the table where he's, like, pulling out bullets or something, and then they have beers after. I don't remember what It's at the end of season two of PD. Okay, yeah, end of season two. And so they're sitting there, and Will just literally is like, oh, I saw Dad. You know, he said that you and him haven't talked in a year. And Jay just casually sips his beer and says, probably two. So this goes against everything. Like, how are they talking again? When did they reconcile... Why is Jay hanging out in his living room watching baseball, even though he's clearly... I think the reason I said kind of goes against everything we learned on P- we've heard on PD is, like, it's still pretty obvious that Jay and Papa Halstead don't have the best relationship. Oh, yeah. Like, that's very much clear, and that Jay still kind of hates his dad, and his dad isn't really, like, a big fan of his either. So that's why I said kind of, but, like... Yeah, what happened? Like, how are they in the same room, like, hanging out, essentially? And I feel like if a reconciliation had occurred between that scene on PD and this scene on Med, that just the fact that a reconciliation happened would be a big enough deal that we would have been part of it. Right, because I'm thinking this would have been two seasons after that. Yeah, so, yeah, that definitely would. I feel like it would have, if it was to have happened, it would have been on screen, but I could be wrong. But I'm really curious as to how the writers communicate on all three shows. Because, like, what happens when one of your guys from PD crosses over to Fire, crosses over to Med? Are the Fire writers then in charge of writing dialogue for your guy, or are you still in charge? Like, how does that work? I mean, I would assume that, like, if Jay goes on to med, and, like, say, for example, just because, I mean, Jeff's a friend, but, like, Jeff is writing that episode, that Jeff is in charge of writing every piece of dialogue that goes into that episode. Mm -hmm. 
and that maybe it kind of has to work with you know what happens on other shows but like theoretically I guess it could be like so out of left field if they wanted it to be yeah yeah I think the reason I'm so not like bitter but just kind of like well wait a second like that doesn't work is because I want to know what how did they reconcile like what went into that how did that happen well, I think the thing that I thought was interesting rewatching this today for the first time in, I mean, probably since it aired, or if not, I probably watched it once after that, but like, and like a, a year at least, mm-hmm. is that, and like, especially knowing that Papa Hall said is going to be a part of the crossover in some way, I think the thing that frustrates me is because the fact that he could possibly die or have something tragic happen to him is looming in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we haven't gotten the PD exploration of Jay and his father's relationship on, like, at all. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm more just annoyed. Yeah, and that concerns me that. Go ahead, go ahead. I I was going to say, I think I could set, I think I could accept this if we had gotten the PD, Jay, his father's exploration at all. Yeah, like, and I think I'm okay. I'd be okay with this if we had just gotten what I wanted out of it. No, right, and I'm with you. And I, I mean, the the minute that episode aired, and the minute I watched it, because I I remember this very night that this episode aired, I was still hosting trivia, and so what would happen would be that I would be at trivia, and I would be texting Bryna while these episodes would air. Yeah. And I'd basically be like, "Don't tell me anything. Tell me everything." And then like, I Bryna would be that. like, "Are you sure?" And I'd be like, "No. Yes." Wait, tell me things. And so this episode aired, and that was one of the first things that you told me. You were like, Jay and his father are talking. And I was like, what the fuck? Right, and I remember because we had written our post for Talk Nerdy with us, like, ahead of this, and we had all these thoughts and theories, and clearly not all of, none of, a lot of them were never going to come true. But I think the one thing we never thought was not going to happen was that Jay and his father were going to be slightly civil, or at least be, like, cohabitate like in the same room like I was just very confusing yeah but I don't I don't know if I would even call them civil though because I don't think Jay and his father really interact in this episode it's more Jay makes really not uh, well no I shouldn't say Jay just makes side remarks to everything that his father says and does because that's the relationship they have they don't really interact in this episode the way that Will and Pat do right but I mean like I guess what I meant by interact and like being it's like being civil is like the fact that they're existing in the same room. Right. Because absolutely. What we had known when we had wrote that post and like going in this episode was not that at all. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It also so, concerns yeah. me that Med is the second episode. So if they are gonna kill off Pat Halstead, is it gonna be during Med or is it gonna be during P D? I think what – didn't we talk about the fact that they said – or I don't remember who said it, but that he's going to be a part of the, like, the Med episode. Like, that is, like, his storyline is, like, on Med. Which tells me that we're not going to get the J part of the episode that we want. We're not going to, like – Right. Yeah. Like, we're not going to get that closure, and therefore J isn't going to get that closure. And that's going to suck yeah. because that's – that's the missing part of the story that I'm dying to know. Yeah, and I think I wanted it, 
even more than I ever wanted his relationship explored with Will. No offense, Will, but like, <laughs> because we had known so much about Jay, not, I mean, not so much, but like had known stuff about Jay and his father, like, I wanted that explored so much more than I ever wanted Will. I mean, I feel like, though, and from rewatching this, I feel like we figured out a few things about the Jay side of the relationship from what we got in this episode about the Will side of the relationship. Uh, Parts of I, it. I, tell me as we get there. Because I, oh. I think I can kind of figure, but like I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of like what you think we've filled in on the Jay side. I know okay. what you're referring to, to the like the Will part, but like, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so Will, back to the scene. We like went on a whole, <laughs> back to the scene. Will and Connor show up and Will's like, what's wrong, dad? And Jay's like, you know, or and Papa Hall says like, you know, no big deal. Like, I'm fine, whatever. Jay's like, you missed two days of work in a row. Like, you never miss work. What do you think he does? Yeah, that's a good question. Because the original thing that I've mentioned before is I think they, the original concept was for him to be a doctor. I don't get he's, – he's not. There's no way. I picture – he's a blue-collar guy. There's no way he's not blue-collar. Does he, like, work in construction or something? I could see that. I was thinking, like, factory with, like, machinery or something like that. So, but, that, yeah. yeah. Something blue-collar. Yeah, like what you said. And There's I, no I, way he's a doctor. No, no, not not after this episode. And I remember at con that Nick had said, you know, he researched Canaryville and it's all blue collar workers, mostly people who work for the city. It's like very working class. So that, yeah, would fit that, that, you know, in like manufacturing or a factory worker, I think it's something, something labor intensive. Yeah, agree. So... They start, or Connor starts checking Pat, Papa Halstead out, and he's like, Will's like, listen to him, Dad, like, you know, he knows what he's talking about, blah, 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 and Pat's like, I'm going to take medical advice from someone who wet the bed until he was nine, and (laughs) Jay's pretty much just like, fuck this, I'm out of here, I gotta go back to work, okay, bye, and leaves. Okay, well, the, the wetting the bed till he was nine bit, like, okay, Pat's obviously a gem, and by gem I mean he is kind of a dick, but that was kind of funny. Sorry, Will. But he, I mean, he's more of a dick because, like, before Jay can leave, Papa Halstead says, like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like, fuck you, dude. He's a dick, yes. Uh, Yeah. He's a big dick. So, (laughs) I (laughs) know. So Connor listens to, like I said, Connor's checking him out, listens to Papa Halstead's heart, and basically it sounds like fluid is backing up into his lungs. Um, Connor suggests using an ambulance to transport him to med, but Pat is super, super stubborn as hell and basically finally just agrees to let Connor and Will take him in Connor's, what, Connor has a BMW, right? Something like that. Ferrari, whatever the fuck Connor drives, some fancy it's ass a car. Fancy ass SUV, yeah. Yeah. But so we get to Mad. Pat is angry AF, but he has a few zingers to him. He like they're helping him get in bed and like doing some tests and stuff. And Pat's like, I've had gas pain that hurt that's hurt worse than this. Like, I'm fine, no big deal. 
Okay, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that one too. I was like, okay, some of these are actually kind of funny, but like the rest of these are kind of, you're, you're an asshole, Papa Hall's dead. But the rest of these are kind of funny. Yeah. So once they get him in bed, they do an ultrasound. It turns out Papa Halstead's heart is working double time to compensate for a bad valve. So Connor wants to do more tests and take him up to the cath lab. And as they're taking him up to the cath lab, Will says, don't worry, Pop, you can beat this. Papa Halstead's like, who the hell is worried? Like, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we get Will it. is that Papa Halstead person- is funny. Yeah, Papa Hall said's kind of funny. I feel like Will is that friend who worries incessantly about everything. Which I'm not, I'm nobody to judge because I am that friend. But I feel like Will is also that friend. Will is definitely that friend. Yes. 100%. 100%. So the results come in and it's not looking good. Basically, Papa Hall said's heart is giving up, and he's got an 80% blockage in his main, one of his main arteries that needs to be operated on. But there's two ways they can do it. There's a surgical option, and there's a non-surgical option. And so Papa Hall said decides against the open heart surgery, and he's talking to Will, and Will's like, listen, like, you, like, I'm trying to give you advice. Like, I think you should listen to Connor, like, and go with the surgery. And Papa Hall said, like, if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. And so out in the hallway, Will leaves and Connor follows him. And Connor's, like, trying to convince Will to convince Papa Hall to go with the open heart surgery. And Connor's like, you're his son. You should be the one trying to convince him. And Will's like, he won't listen to me. My dad considers me something of a disappointment. He didn't even want me to go to college. Oh, yeah. He said a real man goes right to work. Okay. So, yeah. There's no there's no way, like, like we said, supposedly when Will first came on, their dad was a doctor. There's no way. If they were telling him, there's no way. No, there's no way. But this whole bit about right here where Will's like, oh, my dad considers me a disappointment because I went to college. This makes no sense. None of the sense. This makes zero sense. Like, yeah. I mean, your son decided to go become a doctor. That's badass. Yeah, but I mean, I could be wrong. I, I feel like there, you know, there are some families that are very stuck in the, you know, the older generation ways of like, you know, where not everyone had the chance to go to school, and so they don't see it as like a necessary thing, and that. You know, they can just go right into work and be fine and live healthy, prosperous lives and move on with it. But this is one of those moments where you were saying, you know, tell me when you feel like we learned some about Jay. Okay, didn't we talk about this in a past episode? Do we think that Jay went to college? Well, no. I, we never talked about it, but I don't think he did. So I feel like that's what we've learned about the J side of it right from here, where he's like, my dad considers me something of a disappointment. Like, he didn't want me to go to college. So from that, I get that Pat almost relates to Jay more because maybe Jay didn't go to college and went straight to the military. And so therefore, Pat was like, yeah, that's my boy. I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess I see where you're coming from. And like, I definitely think, Jay went straight from high school into the military. Like that, I don't think he went to college. I would, I mean, he could have, but I don't. I wouldn't think so. But yeah, I guess for me, the reason I don't think it think of it as much as 
like learning about Jay is just because we don't know when Jay started turning on his father or not turning on his father, but like when their relationship broke down. I mean, I feel like it was definitely, I think it was, I feel like it was right before their mom died. And I know we've talked about this at length. We did the whole post on it and everything, but I think it was right before their mom died. But like how old were, I mean, again, this is where we could go into like theories and stuff, but like if she, if Jay was 15, I mean, again, I have no idea, but like if Jay is theoretically then say 15 and Will would be like 20, then like, would they have been on terms when Jay would have theoretically gone off into the military? I don't know. In theory, when their mom was dying, Will was out partying. So, and we think that he was still in Chicago for college. It was med school when he GTFO'd. All of that could make sense. It's, yeah, this is all speculation. This is just what we've been able to piece together. But, uh, yeah, so Jay had to have been, I would peg him more for like 16, 17. And then as soon as he graduated, he was like, military, let's go. But then that would still hold up with the line of, like, them not talking when Jay graduated high school. Or him and his father not having the best relationship when they weren't, when Jay graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, he wouldn't necessarily consider, but whatever, again, all besides the point. Because we're talking about <laughs> Will and, but, anyway. So, yeah. So, Connor basically suggests trying to get Jay to talk to him, but Will's like, yeah, they have their own history, so that's not going to work. And that's, like, one line, and I'm over here like, wait, wait, tell me more, tell me, tell me more. (laughs) Right, give me the episode on that, please, and thank you. Right, I'm, like, singing the song from Greece. I'm over here in the corner, like, tell me more, tell me more, like. (laughs) Yeah. And so... Papa Hall, like I said, Papa Hall said chooses to go with a non-surgical option, and it seems to go okay. I mean, he seems to feel pretty great after it's done. Um, and but when, of course, after it's done, he's deciding to screw with Will's head a bit more, and he's like, "Admit it, kid, I was right. You got that fancy degree, but I'm still the one calling the shots." That's such a dick remark. It really is, though. Like, fuck you. Right. And Jay's here at this point, too. Like, Jay's Jay's with them, too. And Jay's just, like, rolling his eyes like this fucker. Yeah, because Papa also is talking about, like, how he feels good. He could feel like he could, like, be playing in a game or whatever. And Jay's like, oh, yeah, like, they want a 60-year-old starter, like, playing on the team. Like, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. And then, like... Uh, Papa Halstead's trying to like turn on the the highlights from the White Sox game and like he moves Jay out of the way from the TV just man yeah not great so a little bit later on in the episode Goodwin shows up to check in on Papa Halstead and she doesn't really like what she sees you know Papa Halstead's definitely deteriorated um and so she immediately calls for Connor and Connor's like, we have no choice but to operate your, I, I forget the medical term, the thing. Something is like flipping around in his heart. Oh, the valve. <laughs> was it the valve? Oh, it started with an M. Well, it was a mitral valve, and I only know that because I rewatched this episode like I thought it was a mitral valve, but I didn't want to seem stupid. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so mitral valve is flipping around, and basically if it 
comes loose all the way, then it could, like, float up to his brain, and yeah, not good. So, Connor is taking him to oper- into the operating room, and Papa Hall says, like, just don't tell Will. I don't want to hear him groan. Okay. Clearly, I feel someone like who's still we stubborn. say that about Will every episode. When, like, something happens, we're like, don't tell Will. We don't want to hear him bitch about this. But yeah. it happens anyway, because we love Will, damn it. Yeah. So, just before he's about to be put under, Papa Ulsa tells Connor that he's actually proud of Will. Um, and things we learn about Will in this scene is Will put himself through college, which makes sense if Papa Halstead wasn't supporting Will's decision to go to college, but still. The fact that Will put himself through college is very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, in this moment, the minute that Connor takes off his mask, I'm like, wait a second, didn't you just completely, like, fuck up the surgical environment? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess the heart to heart with Papa H was more important. Yeah, but I also things that I was thinking about about the Will putting himself through college. Mm-hmm. So Will probably, like we said, Will was probably most likely still in Chicago for undergrad because in-state tuition is much cheaper than out-of-state tuition. Yeah. So if he, if we're going with what was in the la- in the med backdoor pilot as like true and that will had been in new york for 10 years that means he moved to new york probably when he finished graduation at like 21 or 22 which means will when he was in chicago is 31 or 32 i'll take it which means now he's about what 34 35 how many seasons of med we just finished season three of med so yeah depending on how old he was actually was but yeah something around there i'll take it and that puts Jay around, like, 31, 32. Yeah. Yep. I will take Assuming, that. Assuming, yeah. That's my th- That's my guess. That was my guess. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So, Connor comes out of the waiting room where Will and Jay and Goodwin are and tells them, you know, everything went as smooth as possible. He's going to be fine. Full recovery. All that stuff. Um. Jay leaves, Goodwin leaves, and it's just Connor and Will. And basically, Connor's, like, telling Will, you should be grateful for your relationship with your father. Even though it's not the greatest relationship, it's much, you know, your family actually talks. And that's much more than he could say for his own family. Um, and so, and then he leaves Will to do some, you know, thinking. All that. Oh, wait, can, can we touch on one of the remarks that Jay made in that scene? How, you know, Will was, like, pacing back and forth. And Jay was like, relax, dude. Dad's too stubborn to die. I feel like this is reflective of, you know, it's reflective of how different they are. Like, yeah, they're brothers, but they're completely different. Like, Will is definitely the more emotional Halstead brother. Yes, 100%. And if they do end up killing off Papa H, which I really hope they don't, I think it's going to hurt Will more than it's going to hurt Jay, on the outside at least. Yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. So then, before Will makes it back up to his father's room, Nina finds Will, because Nina and Will are still an item, and Nina is still around, high padding urine. But, <laughs> um, and she finds Will in the hallway and basically asks him why she had to hear it from Natalie that his father was in the hospital and in open heart surgery and not him. And Will's like, 
Uh, yeah. I wasn't really thinking about it. She just, I just happened to bump into her. Not really, you know. But we all know he actually wanted to tell Natalie first. Sorry, Patty. Sorry, he Nina. did. But I um, forgot about Nina until this scene. Like when she popped up, I was like, oh shit, Will was with Nina. <gasps> My bad. Yeah. And basically, he tries to make it up to her by introducing, like, suggesting that he could probably introduce the two of them, meaning Nina and Papa Hall said. But Nina's basically like, nah, like, I'm not trying to be second fiddle to anyone. Sorry. Nor should she be. I feel like Nina Shore deserved better. She did. She deserved Connor Rhodes. God damn it. Um, amen to that. I still ship it. Once Frozen is done, which I hope it never ends, Patty needs to come back and I ship Nina and Rhodes so hard. I know. I do too. I do too. I just want to be Patty's best friend. Oh my God. Patty is the greatest. Could you imagine sharing a bottle of wine with her? That would be the best thing ever. Oh my God. And you two would talk talk Bachelor? I want to talk Bachelor with her so bad. And we could just talk about puppies and goats and everything. It'd be great. I think I'm going to add her to my list of celebrities I'd share a bottle of wine with. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. She comes in third because I've only got two other people on that list. Who else is on your list? I've got Allison Janney. She's number one. I would share a bottle of wine with her in a heartbeat. And Chrissy Teigen. Oh, Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. So... Allison Janney, Chrissy Teigen, and Patty Murin. I would share bottles of wine with them in a heartbeat. That's a great list. Yeah. Um, but now moving into something not as great. We also, I don't even, like, the dialogue is literally not that important. But we do get the one lone Jay and Natalie scene that is super awkward, but sets us up for all the Jay and Nat stuff later on. Like, it was so awkward. I forgot about this. Same. Same, but I still had I had the same reaction upon rewatching that I did the first time I saw it, which was definitely like a good solid like what the fuck. <laughs> I know, and it's just awkward and weird. I, ugh, I can't believe we almost had that. No, the worst. Yeah, not good. But again, dialogue wasn't even important. I just had to bring it up because we can't seem to not talk about it and be like ew no on the show (laughs) so basically this whole storyline ends with will going to see his dad at the you know checking in on him again and basically they share this emotional moment where they both say i love you and you know it's a good moment good moment to end on see but it also makes me sad that you know based on what we know of the crossover that you know will's gonna get this moment of closure but jay isn't yeah yeah, I like I said, that's, I think that's why this rewatching it today, knowing what is looming in the back of my mind, why I found this episode to be more annoying than I probably did the first couple times I watched it. No, absolutely. Do you see any scenario where Papa Halstead survives this crossover? <sighs> I don't know. No. But yeah, I mean, I there could, but it could be, but some, I feel like someone's got to die. Right? Somebody's yeah. got to die. Yeah. For it's a sure. crossover. They um, don't ever not kill anyone off in the crossover. Also very true. Yeah, people always get horribly injured or die in crossovers. That's a very, very true 
observation. But yeah, so that was everything about Will and Papa Halstead and Jay and a little Natalie and all that stuff. Gina, any last thoughts about this storyline before we move on? I mean, Papa Halstead's a tough guy to get to know. And so I'm a little bummed that we're only going to see him for, you know, two episodes in all of Chicago history. Because I'm convinced they're going to kill him in the crossover. I'm just, maybe I'm just mentally preparing myself. Like, expect the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, so that sucks that in all of Chicago history that we're only ever going to get him for two, maybe three episodes. Because there's just so much more there that I want to know. Again, I'm just, if that's the case, I'm just really annoyed that we never got the Jay exploration part of it. Yeah, and it it just doesn't sound like we will since he's going to be heavily focused upon on the med portion of the crossover. But we could be wrong. Could be wrong, but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Gina, do you want to take us through the next storyline, the chemical castration stuff? Sure, sure, sure. Oh, this was crazy. And this was one of those things where I was outlining this episode and I was like, wait a second, there were a lot of, like important men moments that happened in this episode that I was like, damn, I forgot about that. The end of this storyline is, I can't unsee that today. Right, right, same, same. So (laughs) basically, Choi treats a teen named Elliot, and he is brought in with some serious bruises on his face. Basically, he got into a fight at school, which blows my mind that, you know, a fight at school could be so terrible that it sends someone to the hospital. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. That absolutely happens. But I don't know. I was a very quiet child in elementary school who was just like, we Power Rangers and just kind of stuck to herself. So I don't know. But yeah, this poor kid, Elliot, he basically, you know, he's got bruises on his face. April's being really gentle with him. But then he kind of shocks him or he kind of shocks Troy and April because he's like, no, I deserve this. And April's like, what? And he just kind of says, he's like, you know, this is how I got beat up. I was spying on girls in the girls' bathroom. And he basically just says that he wants to be castrated. And that's the end of the teaser. Just. Yep. Yeah. And so Dr. Charles get called, gets called in. And Elliot explains. And so, you know, Elliot gets these sexual urges that make him act aggressively towards girls And, you know, he admits that he stalks them and that at one point he had cut off a piece of a girl's hair without her knowledge because he thought her blonde hair was absolutely beautiful. So, like, he recognizes how dangerous these thoughts are, but he hasn't fully acted on them yet. He's only, like, partially acted on them. And so Elliot basically says that, you know, he wants to be chemically castrated so that he doesn't hurt anybody. And so... Dr. Charles basically tells Ethan that, you know, he could benefit from therapy, but he's not ruling out the meds and that concerns Ethan. But the whole thing with the meds is that it's completely reversible, which I did not know, but I neither. Yeah. And so, you know, Dr. Charles is like, no, well, it's temporary, Ethan, like raping somebody is not. And so that's basically what Dr. Charles is worried about is that, you know, the ultimate way of acting out on this impulse would be to commit a rape. That line has stuck with me all day. Yeah. It's temporary, but raping someone. I mean, it's true, but, like, God, that line is powerful. Yeah, very powerful. It's just one of those that kind of stops you in your tracks, and you're just like, oh, 
Oh. And that's what I love about men is that they always seem to raise the stakes with these cases. They never seem to shy away from the hot button topics. Yes. But I also, again, I didn't realize that the medicine was, I guess I don't really think, I mean, I, it is, but that the meds were reversible. Like, it's just crazy. So much I didn't realize in, with the storyline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just science, right? Yeah, it's great. Science is a very crazy thing. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that this show just kind of like hits you in the face with. It's like, well, wait a second. Like, science, bitch. Science is crazy. Just crazy advances where technology is these days and just the things that they're able to do. It's just incredible. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So basically... This is so not helpful that Ashley is texting us dancing with the stars like in the middle of this. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I know. I like try not to look at it, but like I'm trying. So Dr. Choi and Dr. Charles, they meet Elliot's parents and Elliot's parents are very highly religious. And they basically explain to them everything that they've learned about him, including his desire to be chemically castrated. And the dad just does not want to hear it. And then the mom doesn't want to believe that their son could have such disturbing thoughts. And so when Dr. Charles is flat out like, you know, I'm concerned that, you know, rape would be the most extreme thing that could happen from this. And she's like, he would never do that. Yeah. 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 So when it's like, I mean, there's that scene later on, which doesn't really have anything like of importance. So it's not an outline, but like, she's like reading the Bible to him. Like, at his bedside. So we clearly yeah. know where she falls on this stuff. But, like, jeez. Right, right. And so both parents are like, no, we're taking him home. Like, we insist. So later on. And there's a good scene in between here where after the surgery, I think Choi. Or not after the surgery. Maybe beforehand. Choi, like, checks in with him. And he's like, listen. Like, Dr. Charles and I tried. We explained it to your parents. But you're still a minor. And Elliot's like, no, it's cool. I understand. Like, thanks for trying. So it's after the he has the face. He it's after he has the surgery, but Mm -hmm. and it's like right after. It's like his mom is reading the Bible to him, and like then Choi walks in. Yeah, so the same thing I was talking about. So later on, Choi comes looking for Elliot in his room. Can't find him. He finds him next door in a female patient's room. And he finds Elliot a little too close to him. And so Choi tries to lay down the law. He's like, get away from her right now. So Elliot, very quickly, he like he grabs a surgical device of some sort, which why was that laying out in the open in her room? Like, no big deal. I have no idea. Beside the point. Yeah. So he grabs this like surgical cutting device of some sorts. I'm sorry. I don't have a more articulate name for that. But (laughs) yeah, he grabs it and he locks himself in the bathroom and we just hear him screaming. And so Dr. Choi kicks down the door and he finds Elliot just kind of like sitting in the corner. And basically Elliot has castrated himself. Oh my God. I can't even. Yeah. And I can't unsee the blood flowing. I can't. I can't unsee Yeah, it. and it's, it's I wouldn't call it a graphic scene, but the blood, like, is enough to be like, oh, God. It's, it's one of the more graphic things they've done. It's not graphic by other standards, but it's graphic for med. Yeah, it's graphic without being graphic. Yeah. It, it just, it's, and it's not even, like I said, it's not even, it's just, it sticks, it's just powerful. It's just a powerful image. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is a powerful storyline because this is one that once I saw that that was this episode, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this this is that episode. I forgot about that. Yeah, you that. texted me that. And you, were, I was like, oh, right. Shit. Because this is one of the, like, this is one of the storylines in med history that stands out. Yeah. I mean, it's a powerful one. I, we never really get closure on that, though. Do, well, no, we kind of do. Because then basically Dr. Well, on Toy, this well, basically, they, like, sit down with the parents, and they're, like, you know, now the parents are concerned, but Dr. Charles, like, you can't really look for the past, like, you've got to look towards the future, and then it, mm-hmm. like, that's how it closes, and it's like, okay, well, what happened? So yeah. it kind of wraps up, but not really. It's crazy. This is one yeah. of the crazier ones in med history. I mean, if you were to ask me to recall a medical case from Chicago Med, I mean, my brain would definitely go to this one, aside from, like, the panda. <laughs> well, what, yeah, what, I think for me, oh, what would my mind go to? Um, oh, the sterilization case from this season. Oh, yeah, the one where the woman had appendicitis, but it wasn't appendicitis? hmm Yeah. Um, yeah. My brain, I would probably think about Will's DNR patient. Yeah, we definitely think about that. Maybe Connor and the Siamese twins? Probably just for how long it lasted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about it, though. I feel like there are probably some other ones, but I just can't. Oh, I'm always going to think about this one because it's where I learned that childbirth can take up to seven days. But when they're delivering the homeless teen's baby outside and she's like been in labor for four days and didn't realize it and jeff was like yeah childbirth can take up to seven days and i was like what (laughs) and jeff was very casual about that meanwhile the two of us were like what what (laughs) that just sticks with me more just because what jeff told us but not from the actual medical part itself (laughs) i did not realize childbirth and then they ended up killing off that poor girl at the end of the season yeah what the that hell was cruel that was cruel yeah yeah crazy but yeah <laughs> so that was that storyline again it kind of got wrapped up not really i feel like that's one of the only times that we haven't really seen a patient storyline get wrapped up yeah i'll go with that i mean they kind of wrapped it up but it not completely like you very i feel like with all medical shows you either find out what happens to your patient either they survive or they don't like, there's not re- – I mean, there is some gray area, but not really. They well, I mean, to- he survived. I think the question was, did he survive with or without his testicles? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, yeah, that is the chemical castration storyline. We also got some Robin and Connor because this was, like – Throwback. This wasn't the early days, but this was right before things started to get crazy. This was the prime. Would we call this the prime? Uh, Yeah, the prime for Robin and Connor. I feel like this was when they were, like, the thickest of it. Okay. Go ahead, Brenna. So, basically, Dr. Charles, very, very first scene of the episode, Dr. Charles gets on the elevator and sees Robin and Connor arguing Robin says they have rats, but Connor's like, that's not possible. I've had two exterminators come in. Like, we don't have rats. And before Dr. Charles can even say anything, she's like, yes, Connor and I are cohabitating. Get over it. (laughs) 
And Dr. Charles was like, I wasn't going to say anything. Whatever. So later on, Dr. Charles catches Robin's blank staring at a vending machine. Um, again, just one little moment in the bigger ish in the bigger picture that will all add up to something. So Connor goes and sees Dr. Charles about Robin and says, you know, she really hasn't been acting, you know, not acting like herself. Like the rats is just kind of like the first big thing in like a long list of little things. And Dr. Charles basically kind of ignores everything Connor says and asks him to leave. Um, but then there's like a moment after Connor does end up leaving where Dr. Charles just takes a minute and like processes what Connor said and is like, holy shit, like maybe something, maybe this guy has a point. Like maybe there is something wrong with her and I need to be doing something. The Connor and Dr. Charles relationship while Robin and Connor were a thing just, it doesn't like confuse me, but it just makes me kind of facepalm because I'm like, guys, this would go so much easier if you two would just get along. Like, Dr. Charles just needs to accept that his daughter is dating Connor. Yeah. But didn't they have, like, a not the best, like, relationship? Like, didn't they, he and Robin kind of have, like, not, like, a kind of a rocky relationship? I don't really know. Because I, I, if I remember correctly, when Dr. Charles was brought on, I want to say that he's been married either four or six times. And he has children from all of those marriages. He does? From what I remember reading. I don't know if they actually followed through with that, though. Again, this was in, like, the early days. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because I was going to say that he probably maybe was then feeling guilt about, like, not spending maybe as much time with her when she was a kid and growing up or whatever. And that he doesn't want to impose himself into like her life and her decisions. So that's why he doesn't listen to anything Connor says when Connor like brings up points about Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just a get, I mean, that's just my like head cannon. Do you think it might've been a Severide type thing where, you know, she, cause she became a doctor too. Yeah. But I don't, Maybe. I couldn't see it as like a Severide type thing where it was out of resentment almost. Yeah, and it could just be, I don't know. I don't know. Robin, we were never going to learn that much, though, because Robin was never a main character to delve deep enough into her backstory mm-hmm. like that. But it could have been. Dare I say that Robin is another character who deserved better? Yeah, she didn't deserve to go out like that. I feel like her illness just kind of became her identity. I mean, that's what she's going to be remembered for. Yeah. 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 Um, but so, again, Dr. Charles runs into Robin for a second time in the cafeteria, cafe thing, whatever. And she's having a little bit of a freak out because she thinks someone stole her wallet. But it turns out it was in the outside pocket of her bag. And, I mean, Dr. Charles literally pulled it out. He's like, it's right here. And she was just like, she's like, thank God. And he tries to talk to her, but Robin accuses him of shrinking her. And she gets really pissed at him and leaves. 
or stands up and about storms out. But as she does, she's like, just because you're a head case dad doesn't mean that I'm not. Stop looking for things that aren't there. So again, this is why I kind of always thought that like maybe they didn't have the best relationship growing up and that Dr. Charles just had never really wanted to impose and like why he kind of ignored things that Connor said was just because of that. Like, you know, she gets mad at him every time he tries to do something. And so I don't know. That's why I thought that. But mm-hmm. then this storyline wise ends with Dr. Charles going to see Robin again. And she's like, look, I have proof that the rats exist. Like, I picked up some of their droppings. Like, I promise they exist. But when she starts opening up the bag and pulls out each little individual uh, paper towel with supposedly the droppings in it, nothing's there. And he tells her, he's like, as a dad, like, not as a shrink, but as a dad, like, I think you should try to get a medical opinion. And so she's like, okay. Because I think this is, like, the moment where she started to realize is that something's actually wrong with her. Yeah. Ah, poor Robin. I, yeah, she definitely deserved better, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. I liked her. Yeah. I mean, I didn't love her, but I didn't hate her either. I think I was just kind of neutral on Robin. In terms of being a love interest for Dr. Rhodes... Robin or Ava? That's so hard. Because I don't know if I really like either of them. I don't know if I found... I feel like it's like Severide. Like, I don't know if I found the person that I really love for him yet. I mean, I've come around on Stella, so I'm... And the Severide front, I'm different. But, like, Mm -hmm. it took me so long to even come around on Stella. Like, I feel like I'm like that with Connor. That, like, I don't feel like I'm like, oh, my God, yes, this is the person Connor's meant to be with. I don't think I've seen that yet. The only person I have that feeling with is Dr. Shore. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just because Colin and Patty are goals. But, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I'd probably say neither. Hmm. Why? What do you think? Where do you fall? I mean, I'm still not sold on Connor and Ava. I don't know if I ever will be. But were you sold ever sold on Connor and Robin? I don't know if I was back when it was airing. I mean, I think now that she's gone, I'm like, I really liked Robin. But I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So we also got a little bit of Nat and Clark. Because this is back when Nat was dating Clark. Or were they officially yet? I can't remember. I think they were over at this point. Were they over? Um, yes. Maybe. Because isn't it like an, it's only like an episode or two after this that Jay and her go to a hockey game. See, and in the time that, I know we had mentioned Jay and Nat like maybe, what, 20 (laughs) minutes ago? And I forgot about it in that 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, I want to say her and Clark are over. You know how you always say that Burgess and Roman to you was not canon and it never happened? Yeah. Yeah, Jay and Nat are not canon to me. They never oh, happened. Oh, no, 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 no. They no, never happened. No. Those scenes where they flirted or went to the Blackhawks game never happened in my opinion. 
Well, the Blackhawks technically never happened because we never saw it. But yeah, it's technically a deleted scene that we never saw, but it's not canon in my head. That's one that if they did release it, I would be like, I don't care. It's still not canon. <laughs> yeah, but no. So Clark and Natalie are over at this point. Okay. So basically, Natalie's feeling really guilty about not being home. And so she asks Maggie to remind her to FaceTime Owen before she takes a nap. Whatever. So Natalie has a patient. It's a three-year-old boy. He has leg pain, weakness, bleeding gums, etc. She asks Jeff to join her on this case. And this is when Clark is still around. This is before he takes the residency, internship, whatever position in Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii, Clark. Man. I miss Clark. I miss Clark. Me too, but he's living the life in Honolulu, man. We can't hate. I know. For real. Yeah. And so basically Jeff and Nat go in and, you know, the boy's speech delayed, so we can't really say what's going on. But after, you know, they, they kind of do like an initial evaluation right as they're about to leave, the boy asks for chalky, which is chocolate milk. And so Jeff gives Natalie the original test results, but nothing really sticks out. So Natalie's like, okay, let's do some more tests. And Jeff kind of takes the Natalie role in this position because that's just like, it could be abuse. And this is the point of the episode where I'm like, take a drink. Somebody said abuse. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't Natalie. And so Natalie's like, let's not go there yet, which is hilarious to me because Nat's always the one who's like, it's abuse. It's so funny. I died when I saw that. It's like Chicago Med Bingo. Like. It really is, though. It really is. Like, that could be a square on the bingo board. Like, Natalie suspects abuse. Oh, my God. Which is terrible, but, like, so funny. It really is. It's terrible, but it's true. true. (laughs) Gina says that she sips her drink. Don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what other squares could we make on the Chicago Med bingo board? Somebody brings up Will's DNR. <laughs> yes. Um, Goodwin gets mad at Will. Um, yeah. Dr. Stoll makes a snide remark. Yeah. Um, Connor talks about how rich his family is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> Connor talks about his daddy issues. Yeah. Um, there could be another one on the bingo board that's like Cornelius Road sighting if we're on the Papa Rhodes like train of thought yeah Um, Dr. Choi gets mad at Emily (laughs) April yells at Noah yeah (laughs) Noah makes hard eyes at Sarah (laughs) yeah pretty much oh man this is a game we could make Chicago Med Bingo yeah (laughs) but yeah so basically after nat's like let's not go there yet which is just hilarious because nat always goes there so the boy refuses that the plain milk that he got and yeah because like nat was like yeah we'll send over some chocolate milk never got it he rejects the plain milk and he knocks it over so nat and jeff run into the room to check on him and the mom drops hints that you know she doesn't really know what he eats during the day because she has sitters look after him because she works like two jobs and so this is the point where you can see it in Nat's face where, like, she's slowly starting yes! to hulk out. Her judgy yeah. face appears in this moment. And it's so Natalie. It's so, it's so Natalie. Like, she she hulks out, but it's not hulking. She, like, Nat's out. Like, I don't know how yep. else to describe it. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Oh, man. But she she drops that face. I'm like, you know when she drops that face. Like, you done fucked up. And so Nat goes full Nat on this poor mother because they find out after the last round of tests that this kid has scurvy. And the mom's like, isn't that something that sailors used to get? And instead of explaining it gently, Nat's like, yes, because it's usually eradicated with a balanced diet. And she basically, like, mansplains the issue to this mom. Yep. I feel really bad for this mom because, like, Nat can be so gentle. And Nat's just, like, full Natalie on the situation. And Clark That needs to be a bingo there. space. Yeah, Natalie Nat mansplains Nat- medical yeah. issues to people. Yeah, Natalie goes full Natalie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and poor, and Jeff's just, like, standing there. I, I guess there's, like, nothing Jeff can do. Like, not even just pull her outside and be like, hey, can you, like, tone it well, down? Well, because Natalie's technically his boss. Man. It's just bad. And so this poor mom is, like, crying, and she's just, like, like, Nat basically makes her feel terrible. Yeah. Is the gist of it. And she storms out and she asks Jeff to finish explaining the course of treatment. And Jeff's just like, this is awkward. Yep. Yeah. And so Natalie confides in Maggie later on that, you know, she was feeling guilty and she's mad at herself for the situation with Owen. And there's the moment in here where Nat just looks at Maggie and she's like, am I a terrible parent? And Maggie's just like, yes, yes, you are. And then it's like a pause. And she's like, you're just feeling guilty. And so Natalie goes back in and she apologizes to the mom, but not until like right before it. Basically, she explains what's going on with the kid and how they're going to fix it. And the mom's just like, are you waiting for a thank you? And she's like, no. And she apologizes kind of with her tail between her legs. Just Natalie going Natalie. Yep. Just Natalie things. uh, Yeah. But I was just like, it was just so crazy to see how Natalie is the easiest character to read. She really is. It's kind of crazy. There's like a flow chart you can make based off Natalie. Like, <laughs> is it a child <laughs> patient? Yes. <laughs> um, is it child abuse? No. Um, <laughs> screw right down the board. Pretty much. But yeah, so then we have our last little storyline of the episode um, with Reese and Noah. So basically, Reese has to teach this class of high schoolers about parenthood and use the babies and all that stuff. And Noah helps her set up. And they're talking about, you know, the babies are monitored with, like, audio chips and microphones. And so they'll be able to, like, keep track of how much the kids interact with the babies throughout the day. And so Reese is talking about how she hates, you know, she doesn't want to be a mom. And Noah's like, yeah, no. And... So Reese has her class of kids and you can kind of tell where this is going because one of the kids asks like how it's wired and stuff and Reese is like, or she asks like what kind of system does it use? And Reese is like, uh, I don't know. But you can tell that this girl's smart and is like trying to figure out a way to hack her baby. And so it turns out that's exactly what she does. Reese finds out that one of her kids hack the baby and rather than actually weren't anything but at the end of this episode when Reese and Noah are talking about it we learned out we learned that Reese did the same thing back in her day with the same assignment and Reese you know Reese is like the real assignment the real reason I don't want to have kids is that you know it's too hard like how is anyone supposed to do it all and Noah's like ah you'd be great at it and she's like why did you say that and he's like I watched you and she's like 
And she's like, what do you mean you watched me? And I was like, you know. Noah's got game. It sounds really creepy when I read it like that. But Same. in the moment, it is like, holy shit, the sexual tension is real. Yes. It does sound creepy. But knowing what we know about Noah, I'm like, damn. Well, like, we saw him, like, pop in the doorway at one point through the scene. So we know that he was watching her. Like, it's not, like, a creepy vibe that he's, like, watching her through the window or whatever. But you watch the scene and it's, like, holy shit, the sexual tension. Yeah, just, I would love to see them revisit that. Unless, I mean, if they're trying to forge just, like, a solid friendship out of this, I'm okay with that, too. Yeah. Um, but I'd be down for if they wanted to actually go there. Same. That's a ship I would be on board. I'd be on board with that ship. 100%. Yep. 100%. But yeah, that is the end of us talking about Chicago Med Season 2, Episode 20. Gina, final thoughts? This was a good episode. With a lot of important Med moments that I did not realize were all contained in this one episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I didn't realize, especially just because we'd had bits and pieces of it throughout season three, I forgot that this is kind of where Reese and Noah started. Um, I definitely forgot about the chemical castration. Yeah, it's crazy. Lots of stuff happens. I forgot that Will was also with Nina at this point, which kind of makes me remember how I felt at that time when, you know, Clearly, Will was more in love with Nat than he was with Nina, but poor Nina got the short end of that stick. She didn't deserve that. No, she never deserved that. No. Not at all. But yeah, so that is the end of the episode. Um, as always, you can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Feel free to email us any thoughts you have about this episode in particular or just anything else. Meetusatmollies at gmail.com. You can visit our website for all of our past podcasts. And we'll repost. I'll, we'll tweet out the Halstead past article that we did. I think we've tweeted it out before, but we can retweet it or retweet it out again when we post this episode, too, in case anyone's interested in that. But, yeah. Um, otherwise, next week... We're really excited. Next week, a lot of you guys have been asking us to talk about specific ships, so we've gotten requests to talk about Stellaride. Or when we were doing a bunch of, like, Shay-centric stuff, people wanted us to talk about Shay and Shep. Shay and Severide. It's Shay a mouthful, right? It yeah. is. So we thought we would just do an entire episode based on ships, friendships, romantic familial maybe not as much familial but like definitely friendships and romantic ships and we're really excited because our friend tamar from the shipping room is going to come join us for that so super excited to have her on and talk all things about chicago so yeah that'll be next week that's what we're doing next week so send us send all of your feels on all of the ships yeah, and just send us, I mean, obviously we know some of the basic ones, but if there's something a little bit more minor that you really think we should hit, it's going to be, there's so many ships, especially when you start talking about friendships and stuff too, that obviously we can't talk about them all. So help us try to narrow down the ones you think we should like definitely make sure we hit on. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think that's it, right? I didn't miss anything. 
I think so. I mean, if you like the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. Please, please, please. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week when we'll be two weeks away. Hallelujah. That's so crazy. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye. Bye.